the Art of Leadership Network. Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. It's so good to have you here. It's Carrie here, and I hope our time together today helps you thrive in life and leadership. Well, Carlos Whitaker is back. He's got a well, a huge hit on his hands with his brand new book, How to Human. And I wanted to talk to him, well, about all things Carlos today. Uh, failed journaling. Ever heard about that? How to build unity around divisive topics and hot takes. Building a huge Instagram movement. And also we get into the Taco Bell challenge. You, you got to listen for that. Anyway, today's episode is brought to you by ServeHQ. Every church leader knows that having trained and engaged volunteers is absolutely mission critical. Head over to servehq.church to learn how your church can solve the volunteer crisis now. And by He Gets Us, if you are a Jesus follower or you lead others toward him, He Gets Us wants you to be ready for conversations about Jesus. Go to hegetsuspartners.com slash carry to learn more about He Gets Us and get free resources for these conversations. So we have a lot of fun with Carlos. He's been on a few times and every time I'm like, yeah, you know, I think we'll talk about some interesting things. And then he always blows me away. Uh, I think you will really enjoy this conversation. By the way, for those of you who are new to the podcast, welcome. We're really glad to have you here. And for those of you who have listened well for years or all the way back to episode one, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, One of the best ways you can support this program is to share it with others. So if you want to hit share because you enjoy this or you want to leave a rating and review or give us a shout out on social, I would so appreciate it. And of course, we also have a YouTube channel. So if you prefer to watch as well, make sure you subscribe over at Carrie Newhoff on YouTube. Uh, But I just want to say welcome to all of you. Really glad that you're here. So Carlos Whitaker brings hope to humans all over the world. And you know what? He's got four books. How to Human is his latest. And he's also got a podcast called Human Hope. He is a global speaker backed by the power of a massive Insta familia. We get into that if you're trying to grow your influence on social. And uh, they have raised a ton of money for really doing good in the world. So anyway, Carlos has also been through numerous careers. We talk about that as well. So I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation. Do you know every church leader knows that having trained and engaged volunteers is absolutely mission critical? But if you're like most church leaders, you know how tricky it can be to onboard people. And we're kind of in the midst of a volunteer crisis right now. That's why you should check out ServeHQ. They have a simple video training course system that helps you equip volunteers and develop leaders. You can create your own training or use their extensive video library. Plus, ServeHQ is an online learning platform that tracks the progress for every single person. So they got a large library, follow-up quizzes to make sure that you can have incredibly well-trained volunteers and their tools are super simple and comprehensive. So you can even provide basic email and text messaging for team communications. It's a one-stop hub for how you communicate with your volunteers. So head on over to servehq.church to learn more and help solve the volunteer crisis that many churches are going through. During the Super Bowl just the other day, almost 100 million people saw a message from He Gets Us, actually two of them, designed to inspire people to think about Jesus and his confounding radical love. That means people are talking. So if you're a Jesus follower, and a lot of you are, or you lead others toward him, whether you lead a church or that's in your company, he gets us, wants you to be ready for these conversations. So they have created free donor-funded resources that will give you new and exciting ways to share 
Christ's message. To access the resources, go to hegetsuspartners.com slash carry, and you can learn more about He Gets Us and claim your free resources. Once again, that's hegetsuspartners.com slash carry to get your free resources. And now, my conversation with Carlos Whitaker. Carlos, welcome back. I, I get to say I'm back because I've been yeah. back a couple times. You have, of course, of course. You got an I open invite. Oh, and I got to say it right. Carlos. Carlos Enrique Huitiguel Guzman Archibocabeo is the full name. There you go. Can you, can you do that in your Canadian accent, please? No. <laughs> Carlos. That's there about as far it. as I'm going to get. That, I mean, that, that is actually really good. So congratulations. Well, that's my Dutch background. I mean, they oh, do yes. roll their R's a they little bit. Do. And I can do a good Scottish accent uh -huh. if you put me up to it. Can but, you please, uh, by the end of the episode, just give us one? So. Ach, I, I'm not oh, sure. It's, it's so already hard. there. It's so hard, I'll tell you, to do these accents. Oh, it's good. It's difficult. I've never done an accent. You know, 500 blank episodes in, I've never done that. But And here we are already, here, changing here lives. Here we are. You got it out of me. So, <laughs> hey, you know, one of the things I love about you is you're pivoting all the time. As I said before we hit record, no moss grows under your feet. So, you know, worship leader to author to speaker, like I'm not doing music anymore to fitness guy, to Christian audience, to general audience, to Insta Familia, right? So yeah. a couple of questions to get us started. First, talk about the pivoting. I'd really like to know behind that. And then uh, how do you keep doing it? Just like you're yeah. always you're always moving off. Like, And I know that's you, right? Like that's your, your wiring, but it's a really wonderful, unique thing to watch. Yeah, you know, uh, it, it, is, it is my wiring, A, so... I get, you know, when I was on staff at Buckhead Church and, um, and, and they were increasingly frustrated with, with my entrepreneurial, uh, nest, <laughs> I was, I had, I had like 15 things going at the same time and I'll just never forget, you know, Andy, uh, Andy Stanley looking at me across the breakfast table and said, you know, Carlos, I, like you could do this the rest of your life. You could be our service programming director for the next 10 years and, and do great things but I feel like you're just a caged animal. Like, like we're holding you where we're holding you back from. And I know you don't even know what you want to do, but I'm just letting you know, you, you have an open invite to stay here or you can go. And I remember thinking, well, I wonder if I should go. And I'm glad I did because you know, it is, it's every few years I, I get an itch and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to scratch it. Here I go. And I'm going to try that. And I try that. And you know what people get to see Carrie is the, they get to see the successes of when I pivot and success, but and succeed. But there's been many times that I've pivoted and not succeeded. There's been many a courses that I have launched and nobody uh, has purchased. There has, uh, you know. But I guess I'm just not scared to to try. And I just, you know, I I just don't ever want to feel like I'm not in the sweetest of sweet spots. And I think some people don't know this, but your sweet spot can change. Like, like yeah. you can have, you can have another sweet spot that's growing over here that unless you even take a step over there, you're never even going to know that that was something you were created to do. So I've just always been of the, of the heart. I'm just going to try a bunch of things. I'm going to do what feels right. And it is like the anti-leadership conference model. Just do what feels right. But, but it, 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 uh, it, it seems to work for me and, and it doesn't work just as much as it works, but I'll tell you one thing, it's more fun. And, uh, and I'm having a blast. I'm having a blast doing what I'm doing. 
Yeah, it's interesting, you know, because I've definitely iterated. If you look back over the last number of decades, it was like radio into law, into ministry, into, you know, sort of a founding pastor role into, oh, let's do a bit of writing. Then I got into books, then it's podcasting. But the thread is communication. And Todd Wilson, uh, formerly of Exponential, helped me see that. You know, the thread is I'm a communicator. Is there a thread in your leadership is there looking back at this point you're like oh there it is yeah yeah i do i do think that i th- i think initially i thought um you know i go back to another mutual friend of ours mike foster mm-hmm. who pulled me aside in 2013 and said you know carlos like you're i know you're you're successful as a worship leader but you're just a way better storyteller than you are a worship leader and I'll never forget that lunch. It seems like all, all my life changes happen when people, friends just take me to lunch and drop bombs on me. But I, I just remember thinking like, okay, like maybe he's right. Like more people were actually reading my blog than they were buying my music at that point. And that was a shift for me. I was like, huh, I'm, I think I'm going to try this. But now even farther down the line, I do feel like there is a common thread in my leadership that I can go back to my worship leading days, my blogging days, my, uh, so my church staff days, my Christian, you know, weekend service, traveling minister days to my corporate, you know, Carlos talking head days to now my kind of influencing, uh, Insta Familia days. And it's always been a common thread of, for some reason, I seem to have an ability to make people no matter what they believe about a certain point of view, whether they agree with me or don't agree with me, feel like they're my friend. And I, and I, I, don't, I don't know what that is, but Andy actually told me that when I was at North Point. He said, Carlos, you're not a great singer. I'll just go ahead and tell you. This is what he said. I, I, I mean, I remember playing his day. Andy Stanley looked at me and said, Carlos, you're, you're not a great singer. That's not why you're one of our better worship leaders. It's because I thought he was going to say it's because I was a great communicator. That's not what he said. That's what I was hoping he was going to say, but he he didn't because I knew I'm good at talking between songs. He he didn't say that. He said the reason why you're a great worship leader is because when you walk on stage, everybody the second you walk out there feels like you're their best friend. And he goes, you can't teach that. I can't figure out how you got that, but you need to use that. And Carrie, as I've looked through the uh, the thread of everything I've done, that has been an anchor that I have held on to. That I people just automatically trust me, and they allow me to maybe say some harder things to them that maybe they wouldn't let anybody else say. So I, does that make sense? I mean, I don't yeah, know. Like, yeah. I trust you as a friend to even hear that and go, yeah, Carlos, maybe this too. You know. No, it's funny because, you know, I do a lot of these, hundreds of these, and a lot of the people I know, some I'm meeting for the very first time, which is great, but I don't know when the last time we talked was, it might've been a year ago. Uh And I just feel like you're one of those people that we pick up where we left off. And we've had some good green room time together and some fun. I was thinking about this recently. Do you remember the Taco Bell challenge? Do you remember that? Oh, you got to tell people about yeah. this because oh any youth pastor needs to do this. I'm glad I didn't participate, but I can't I, even remember what, what the specifics were. Oh, about. I remember. Okay. Tell me because I just remember I, it ruining me. We were, yes, it totally destroyed you. Uh, there were, there were a bunch, and I, I like go to bed early when even I'm on the road. So I don't know. I think we were in California or something like that. We're all speaking that day at the yes. orange tour 
and I see you, and I'm trying to remember who else was there. Was it Stuart Hall? And there were a yeah. couple of others. Yeah. And you looked like you had been out on the town till 4 a.m. and <laughs> had way too much tequila or whatever you were drinking. Not I mean, true at all. Yeah, yeah. You were yeah, hopefully late. It wasn't. Yeah. No, it wasn't. Uh, you done the twenty dollar Taco Bell challenge? Oh yes, yes, yes. and it was you. Ha you had to eat twenty dollars worth of food yes. at Taco Bell. Yes, yes, I do remember that because I do remember. <laughs> I, I remember all I remember was like, did we order everything on the menu? Like I can't remember what, how it was, but it yeah, was it was rough, man. I, I actually may <sighs> still have some lingering effects of uh, you know of, of what it is. So, so it's fun stuff like that. But yeah. you can you can have those experiences with people and not feel like you just pick up where you left off. So all right. of that to say, by the way, Taco Bell challenge was, you know, <laughs> worth the price of admission. Just challenge someone you love, eat 20 bucks worth of Taco yeah. Bell. Good luck. Do go. It. No, you guys were like carrying bricks that day in your gut. Man, it was, it was, a, it was, it was, I, I, I don't think I've probably even eaten Taco Bell since that day. <laughs> well, understood. And so, yeah. Understood. Was bad. But that was rough. do you know what that is? Because NEF Downs, who you're going on tour with, has a similar vibe. She says, I want to make you your friend. So what, what are yeah. those? Like, dude, let's do some Dale Carnegie, how to win friends oh. and influence people. Oh, you know, let's go. do you, is, is there yeah. an unraveling that you can figure out? Like what yeah. is behind that? Yeah. You know, I, I think, you know, it's funny. I am, I am, I just announced today that I'm going on tour with Annie and in, in yeah. June. And, you know, I think, I think people, cause Annie and I are very different. I'm actually way more of an introvert than Annie mm. is like, like Annie, thrives and is filled in a room full of people. And it actually exhausts me, although it's what I'm called to do in this season. Um, and so, so, you know, here we are two different people, but, but maybe people feel the same semblance from us as far as friendship, you know, whatever people introduce me or say all the time, they're like, this is my friend, Carlos. And I'm like, wait, we've never met. I've never talked to you. I don't know what your name is, <laughs> but they introduced me to their friends at, at you know, wherever, wherever I'm at as their friend. And I just got to thinking like, what is it about it? And I, I think that if there's, if there's one thing that if I can look to like a common thread that has been consistent in relationships that have formed from online or people that just feel like I'm their friend, it's that I they trust me because I feel like they watch me go first. And I feel like there's, there's just a lot of leaders. There's a lot of communicators that are out there teaching things that they have studied, teaching things that they uh, maybe have learned, um, have, you know, in the, in the scriptures and all these things. And I've just kind of always taught through my stumbling. Like I've always taught mm. through like, well, hey, listen, I, I this guys, this is what I did. And you'll never believe what happened to me. Maybe it can happen to you too. And so I, I just feel like there's this invitation to the mess. And we, I've talked about the mess, oh, too many messes on your show already. Mm. You can go back and listen to all those. Yeah, but yeah. I feel like it's those- but Like kill the spider. Great kill the spider, right? Like mm -hmm. it's, it's those conversations where I'm like, I'm going to go first. I lost my family. Uh, because I made stupid, stupid decisions trying to medicate my life. And this is how I lost them, but then this is how I got them back. And when I do that, people are just pulled in, right? And they trust me when I do that, right? And, and I show the good and the bad. I show the four months in the hospital with my daughter, Sohela, at four, excuse me, four weeks in the hospital with Sohela and, and just the trauma that we were going through. But then yeah, I showed the other side too. So I don't know. I, I think, Carrie, there, there's, a, there's a thread for me of going first. And that, I think that really helps make friends and influence people. I really, I really feel like it does. 
Hmm. Talk about the failures a little bit, because from where I sit, it looks like all of your pivots have been successes. I mean, yeah. you know, not every book sells as many copies as your book sure. sells. Not everybody who says I'm hanging up the mic as a worship leader going to be a speaker. Yeah. The, the phone doesn't ring sometimes and your phone rang a yeah. lot with, yeah. and you got into the corporate sphere as a Christian. Yeah. I mean, really, really interesting pivots along the way, many of which have been relatively successful. So what mm. about some failures? Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. I mean, let, let's talk about the failure of, oh, I mean, here's one. I had a book proposal before, uh, in between this current iteration of books that I have mm. and my next iteration of books that I have. And I was all and I'm literally talking about this is going to change the planet. Hmm. And and actually at this point, like I've been successful in like in my speaking and in my and I was almost I kind of felt like, of course, of course, like everyone's gonna just, you know, I'm gonna have a bidding war, bro. Crickets. Like, like crickets. Like I'm like, and then I got and then it got into identity. And I'm like, wait a second. But like, like I'm Carlos, like, like, like I come up with great ideas all the time. All my ideas work. Everything that I try turns to gold. Like it's just this. And it's like, nope, actually that's not true, Carlos. And it was cricket. So like I, I had this book idea that um, fell flat on its face. I got rejected over and over and over again. And I literally had to take that idea and not just massage it and turn it into something better, but throw it away, you know? And so that, that was a really, um, that was a gut punch for me as far as, um, hey, I, this isn't just plug and play. The, I, I have to, I have to make sure that these projects and these things that I put out there are, are really um, bleeding out of my heart. Um, so, I mean, there's that. You know, I, there's there's failures that I do not show people on my parenting. Right, like like people are looking at my family on Instagram and oh, you got the most beautiful family, the perfect kids. I'm like, listen, like like that is the farthest thing from the truth. I know we show a lot of our family on Instagram, but. I, it's kind of my kids' lives now. Like they're not like three. Like I, I'm not going to show you the seven months of my daughter making my wife cry on a daily basis because she was just so mean while she was 14. If I would have shown that, you know, it it wouldn't have been like, oh, everything Carlos touches turns to gold. Like everything that he does. But I will tell you this: I do try a whole lot of different things. And yeah. the the and 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 I do like I I actually have a fail a fail journal and I every week mm. I try to I try to have five failures. So like I try to fail at five things a week and what does that do? So literally I'm trying like new things this or that and by me failing at five things a week I'm succeeding at one or two things that I never thought I'd succeed at. And so, you know, it's for me it's kind of the law of like the more things I throw, the more things I try, the more things that are going to work and the more things I'm going to be successful at. So failed journaling. This is a new category for me. Yeah. Can you give us a brief idea of what that looks like? Do you yep. try to deconstruct the failure? Is it just like, oh, failed at this and on to the next thing? Or what? what, what is that? No, it, it is it is a deconstruction of of, wow. the, of the failure and it's why it failed. And it is, it's a thing that a, that a Enneagram 9 or that like a, a people pleaser or like somebody that likes people to like him and doesn't like to fail. It is, it is, it was one of the hardest things to begin to do. Uh, but now when I fail, like I look right, like I look at the data, like mm. I've suddenly become like a data guy and I'm like, okay, why did it, let me try to tweak this for the next time. Like, so for instance, like today, as we're recording this podcast, mine and Annie's, uh, tour is going on sale for the first time. Okay. So 
here's the thing. Normally I would be like, like, I hope people buy tickets, but I'm like, no, you know what? Every hour I want uh, how many people are using my code versus Annie's code. And I would have never asked that, but I want to know what is Annie doing that's different than what I'm doing. And could I do something better if I'm not selling as many VIP tickets to my after party as Annie is to hers? And so I've just gotten to the place now. I'm turning 50 this year. So like this wow. is a, it's a big year for me. And I've just gotten to the point where I'm like, listen, Carlos's feelings are just kind of like, I can't keep living on my feelings and them feeling good. Like if I want in the next 15 years of my life to have the most impact I've ever had, I've got to de deconstruct and look at the data points. And, and I promise myself things are going to work and things are going to click the more I look at my failures. Hmm. No, that's a really interesting idea. Failure journaling. That's a brand new category for me, yeah. <laughs> but there is wisdom and you can connect the dots. You hinted yeah. at this. You said, you know, when, when that book proposal just went down in flames, you, it really hurt. And yeah. I think you hinted at the fact that, and it's very natural. This is why I'm asking the question to say, well, this is permanent. I guess my writing career is over, which is not yeah. true. Your How to Human book is either just coming out or about to come out when, uh, when this interview is released on my show. Yeah. But, you know, Henry Cloud says, when you run into failure, there's three Ps. It's personal, it's pervasive, and it's permanent. Personal, mm. oh, I'm a screw up. This didn't screw up. I screwed up. Yeah. Pervasive must mean I'm bad at everything now. I can't right. lead worship anymore. I can't write. I can't podcast. I can't. Ah. Mm. And then permanent. This is my death sentence for the rest of my life. Yeah. Super, super helpful. That is amazing. Yeah. Henry I mean, Cloud. That That is, that, you know, if we could all... That's why Henry Cloud is Henry Cloud. <laughs> exactly. exactly. You know? Yeah. Give me three Ps, bro, all day long, and it's uh -huh. going to change my life. You know. How do you battle that? Did you experience that, and how do you battle it? Yeah, you know it. It um, the the battle of especially the what's what was the second word? Um, so per it's personal. Yep. It's pervasive. It's yes. not just the book. It's everything. Yeah. I'm a so I'm a disaster, yes. but I'm a disaster everywhere, and then yes. it's permanent, and there's no hope. Yes. I I'm done. Yes, that pervasive piece is probably the biggest P when I fail. Wow. Like, like it, like every single time I can't seem to 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 hone in to know that, that maybe it was just this. Maybe it was just a bad idea. Maybe you ate a bad taco when you came up with that idea. You know, <laughs> like like maybe it was. And so, you know, um, I mean, I, I don't want to pivot too strongly and quickly to uh, the work of Holy Spirit in my life, but mm -hmm. I tell you what, man. Like there is nothing, there is no therapy session or Henry Cloud book that is going to get me out of that funk. It has to be realigning my identity back with where it needs to, where it needs to be in the first place. And so that's where I just go to Holy Spirit and I just beg and plead, get me out of this pit, get me out of this place. I know that this is a lie. So I know that this isn't true. Um, mm. But I don't have Lord, it doesn't seem like I have the strength to pull myself out. I need you to pull me out here. And so, you know, I, I just go straight to my knees. Um, and I, I find myself there way more often than not, but for me, yeah, there, I don't, I don't think I've got like a, like a, a tip for that besides, no. I just go straight to the power and the presence. If I can get into the presence, you know, it, it's, it's just, it's why I, I don't speak at my church. I run camera five. And when I, when I show up there and I put my camera on and I get to film two services in a row and I just get to sit and bask in the presence of Holy Spirit, like I, it doesn't matter what I came in with. I am just 
way better when I leave his presence. And so I just mm-hmm. got to get back in his presence. I so appreciate you. For those of you who may not know, Carlos talked about that in his, is that your last book, Enter Wild? Yeah, is Enter that, Wild. Yeah, yeah. The one before How to Human. So yep. if you want more on that, you can check that out. Yeah. Let's talk about Instafamilia. So uh, uh, yeah. this is what, about a year, year and a half old? Yeah, about a year you, and a half old. Yeah, yeah. So sometime in the late mid-pandemic, 2021, yep. 2022, yep. you launched Instafamilia on Instagram. Uh, talk about that. What? Yeah. You know, I, I, uh, I, I had this, uh, again, I had this rapidly growing Instagram following on uh, in 20 from 2020 to now. And like summer of 2021, like I just, it, it felt more like a thing, right. Than, than mm-hmm. just my, than just a typical Instagram account. Like people were making t-shirts with like you know, Insta Familia on it, like, you know, and showing up to places. I'm like, what is this? Like, and, and it's because like suddenly it became a community where I, I stopped pointing the camera at me and started pointing the camera at them and saying, no, this is us. This is you. Look what we did. Look, look, look what we did. Look, look at what we are doing. And I, and I switched the, the language and suddenly, man, it, it started taking off. I remember the day that I took a vote. I said, should we be called Los Amigos? the Insta Familia or the Hope Dealers or something. And it was like a, almost a 50, 50 tie between Hope Dealers and Insta Familia. And I just remember thinking, man, I've seen Hope Dealer shirts. So we'll just call ourselves the Insta Familia. And when I did that, and I, when I gave us a name, there was just something about that. There was something about everybody feeling like this is who we are. I am a part of this. This is a new thing. And I, you know, how, how we started kind of making some impact is, uh, I just, there was a woman that, well, actually what happened to me was in 2021, um, an internet friend of mine, I was going through a really hard week of my life, horrible week. And my dog died. My wife broke her wrist. My house flooded. My it just it was like literally just the worst week. She did like this fundraiser for my family on Venmo, and yeah. I remember being like, "What are you doing? Like, mm. I, I'm not like broke. There's homeless people that need this. I don't need your these people's Venmo." But she ended up raising this money for me, and I just a little thing light went off in my head, and I'm like, "Oh well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna return the favor," and I did it one time for somebody that needed a seizure alert dog in my Insta Familia. She needed thirty thousand dollars, and I remember thinking, "I'm gonna post her GoFundMe, and maybe we'll give her like five grand. That would be awesome." Yeah. And and I don't know, Carrie, it, it was seven minutes. She had thirty grand in seven, and I remember my jaw dropping, going like. Okay, what what have I created here? Like, 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 what just happened? What just happened? And so she got her alert dog plus more. And then I was like, well, let me try this again. And a couple months later, I did it again. Two hundred eighty thousand dollars, twenty four hours. And then I was like, what is happening? And then so we've yeah, done that's it. Insane two hundred. Like, just <laughs> let that. Don't blow by that. Two hundred eighty thousand dollars in twenty four hours. Yeah. And how many followers roughly at the time? Uh, at that to- at that time, it was like a hundred and forty thousand Instagram. Yeah, that's followers. insane. And so, yeah, you know, I, I just started seeing, I, and there was just a lot of movement behind it. There were people were pumped to do it. Um, and I just kind of kept going. So as of right now, we've given away $2.7 million in Venmo and PayPal <laughs> transactions, uh, over the last uh, year and a half. And, um, you know, I don't hold that lightly that, that I literally, I did it at the airport a couple of weeks ago in Atlanta. Uh, I just was like, Hey, there's three airport workers. And I looked at my phone and I said, I'm in a food court. No one's paying attention to these people. What if we just change their lives? And bam, 
each of them got 40 grand, right? Like it's just, uh, and, and so just to know that I can just decide that and then the people just do it, the Insta Familia just does it is, uh, it's pretty cool. And because of that, you know, uh, the platform has shifted away from just like the evangelical space because it's not just Christians that want to do this. Everybody wants to do this and mm -hmm. everybody wants to jump on. So the Insta Familia is, I'm very proud of some data points that I've taken, right? I'm always looking for data. And we are literally, this is not an exaggeration, like 53% to 43% or 47% like left versus the right. Like, like it is like people Whoa. from complete, like you do not find that anywhere. Like people that have large followings on Instagram normally do or on socials because people are buying into their belief system on whatever it is. The fact that I've got two polar opposites of fighting, normally fighting people coming together to do these things every single day with me and to have these hard conversations every day is one of the things I'm the most proud of. And that's who the Insta Familia is, man. Yeah, that's crazy. So you turned the camera the other way around. You've yep. started raising money for other people and very randomly, very spontaneously, a little bit like Humans of New York, but yep. only in a, in a 3D instant yeah. kind of way. Very good. Right? Where did the genesis, has this just kind of evolved? Do you have a model for, like, are you watching other people? Are you studying Mr. Beast? Are you studying Humans of New York? Are you studying, like, yeah. others? Or are you just kind of going with your gut? Or no, both? I, yeah, I, I think it's... Um I definitely am not studying anybody else, but I have landed on a system. Like I have, I have landed on some, so I am actually, I'm doing a lot of consulting, you know, I'm doing a lot of helping people or organizations that are trying to fundraise. And I'm like, what I did that's different than what Mr. Beast does or what, you know, uh, Jimmy Darts does, or a mm -hmm. lot of these accounts that just kind of walk up to people and give them a thousand dollars is I've kind of gamified giving a little bit and I've made it to where uh, it's 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 almost like watching a sporting event. They know that that we're starting at two. They see me. Oh my gosh, Carlos just put up a Venmo. It's two p.m. on Thursday. By two p.m. on on Friday, this thing's gonna shut down, and we want to see how much we can do in twenty four hours. So suddenly people are checking back. It's like, oh my gosh, two hours later. Can you believe? And they're sharing on their accounts. We're at $20,000. Oh my gosh, 7 p.m. I can't believe it. We're at $25,000. And it just goes on and on. And there's this energy. There's this groundswell of, of, it's like they're all cheering for the same thing. And they've been so tired of cheering against each other all day long, all week long, all year long, that finally I've given everybody something to cheer together for. And bam, they're at it. It feels like a sporting event. And so, yeah, it's worked. And it doesn't just work with like fundraising. Like I went to, and it's similar, but I went to um, Uganda this summer and went to a compassion project. And there was, I think there was like 37 kids in this one project that weren't sponsored. So I thought, oh, let, let's get the 37 kids sponsored. I, I think I can make that happen. Carrie, because of the how I do the giving blitzes, in 24 hours, I think we had close to a thousand kids sponsored. Over almost half the children in Uganda were sponsored in 24 hours, and the reason why is because it's it's this fun gamified sporting event that it kind of turns into, and that's really the model uh, that I use. Is like put a beginning point, put an end point, make it a blitz, and then. 
like over communicate, over storytell. Like, I mean, they're, they're, people know when I do these things, there's going to be 100 little dots at the top of my story, but they can't wait. And they're crying and I add music and I, I, I turn it, you know, I speed Steven Spielberg it and, uh, you know, and pull out, pull out, pull out the feelings, man. And so it's been so fun. I'm actually about to do another one in the next few days. And, mm-hmm. uh, I'm just, I can't wait, man. It's so fun. So let's talk about call to actions, because that's something almost every leader has, right? Where whether you're trying to raise money at your church, whether you're trying to get people to volunteer uh, in a business, you're trying to get customers, et cetera. Any website built has a call to action. Yeah. Uh, What are you learning about calls to action? Because you're right. This is kind of unprecedented success. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've learned that it has to be, that there, there needs to be no tiptoeing around it. Like, like I, I, there's so much, so many people like tiptoeing, like, well, I don't know. Like, I don't want to tell people, ask people what to do because it's just, I'm another person asking for another thing. It's like, no, like when I ask for these things, I literally come in with the gall that this is the most important thing they're going to do all day long. And I give it that, that much weight. Like I, you know, I, I'm no Don Miller. I don't know how to like, you know, break down the marketing plan and a story or whatever. But what I do know is that when I am um, bold in my call, people respond. And when I'm kind, and I've seen it, man, I've seen it sometimes. I've been kind of like a little halfway, like, I know I asked for you guys for something last week, but like, what if it, it just fails every single time? Bam, bam, bam. But like when I'm bold and so I say, your punches. and they see it and it, and it's face to face with, with my eyeballs to their eyeballs. It's not just, and I, I think that may be another thing is, Video, like a like video, is vital. You know, nobody's gonna read a paragraph and be moved by your writing to change the world. I mean, maybe, but like, I really feel like if they see your eyes face to face, that that is also just so a bold eye to eye call to action has been something that I've seen work. So that's a really good point. Let's talk about pulling your punches because you're yeah. right. As soon as you're kind of like, I know I asked you guys and I'm guilty, guilty, yeah. guilty, guilty, busted, busted. <laughs> um, what is the, because you know what? Okay, this is like, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what I want to say. <laughs> I love it. Because we think about like when you're preaching, you preached before. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, I've told the story before. Or, you know, we want to qualify everything. Well, first of all, you assume everyone's been there every week. Secondly, that everyone was listening when they were there. And third, that they remember. None of which is actually true. Uh And for the three people for whom that's true, you've got 300 or 3,000 for whom that's not true. So don't even worry about it. Right. But how do you check that fear in your spirit? How do you get that boldness where you're like, guys, we're going for it because there's these three TSA agents here at the airport and they need money. Yeah, yeah, gosh. You know, I um, I, I think what you just said is super helpful. Like I have, I, I think all the time, like if I look at how many people are watching my Instagram stories um, compared to the amount of people that follow me, it's actually a pretty small, for all of us, it's way smaller than the, the oh, amount yeah, of people that are following, tiny. right? And so, so I just, I always am thinking like, there is so much more room for people to come on board that have never been on board before. And Mm -hmm. if somebody is tired of me saying the same thing over and over, guess what? They they can unfollow me. They can go somewhere else. I I probably, they're probably not even the customer or consumer that I want 
in the fam, right? And so, I mean, this is, I'm actually in the middle of a great example, like right now. I've got a book launching um, it, from the point of this recording in uh, 14 days. Mm-hmm. And then I'm I, I'm launching a tour that is in June and ask, so I'm, I'm in all reality asking people to buy two different products from me in the course of 14 days, you know? And so, so it's, it's as, as far as like a marketing guy, that's freaking me out. I'm like, Oh my gosh, no, I've got to, I've got to qualify everything. I've got to, but, but the, the, the DMS I've gotten from people going like, cause they've seen me do what I said not to do. Like guys, I know that like, I know I just asked you to pre-order the book, but like, this is something else I've been dreaming about. And I, you know, and they're like, Hey, stop, listen, you don't ever ask us for anything for you. Literally, there's been $2.7 million that you've raised for other people. This is a grand total of $50 that you're asking me to invest into your life over the course of this year. Carlos, we all want to do this. We desire to do this. And so when I got those, and I mean, this could be a word for somebody that's listening that maybe needs to encourage your pastor, maybe needs to encourage somebody that uh, you see a little bit of trepidation from them asking, let them know that you're actually like you're all, you're rooting for them. You want them to ask you because when they ask you, you feel like you're doing something for them. And, you know, I've gotten a couple of those messages even today uh, that I think is shifting the course of how I ask. It's given me a little bit more boldness. Uh, and so, yeah, I think that's, you know, that's really helpful when uh, when the people that are that you're asking are coming back going like, no, stop, relax, quit apologizing and just ask us, you know. You know, that's such a good point. When I was a lead pastor, I was also a donor and we we try to be sacrificial in our giving, et cetera. Yeah. But now that I'm not the lead pastor anymore, uh, I'm kind of like, challenge me, push me. Yes. You know, I want more, not less. I don't, yes. I don't want, I'm like, no, look me in the eye and ask me for more. I don't yes. know why, what is that? But people, uh, d- do you see something to that? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do. I, I'm, um, again, I'm not in the, I'm not in the evangelical space a lot speaking anymore, unless it's an orange tour or a random pastor friend here or there. Uh, So yeah, I mean, when I get up, you know, in those spaces or when I'm around, you know, my pastor friends, yeah, there is a, there is a boldness in me that I feel like, well, I don't know, maybe because I just know I've been there um, and I know what they're feeling and I know their trepidation uh, that I know I can encourage them with a little bit of boldness. And so, yeah. And and I, you know, I think it's also different on my, on my Insta familia too. I, since that kind of was born, you know, with me, I do kind of feel a little bit more like a leader of that than I have of anything in my entire life. Right. Like I, I, I've been, I've been a conference speaker. I've been a speaker at people's churches. I've been invited into other people's spaces my entire life. And this is the first space where everybody is there because they're following my lead. And so th- there's also a boldness there being like, listen, this is how we do things around here. If you don't want to be a part of it, that's fine. There's other online communities you can be a part of. But if you want to be a part of this, we're not. We're, we're going to walk with people, not stand on issues, and, and we're going to love everybody. We're going to get close to everybody. And yeah, I, I say it with more bravado than I've said anything. And I'm like, where's all this like confidence coming from? And it's like, oh, it's, I feel like it's because this is something that was born out of me. And, um, and, and I feel like these people are looking to me for, to lead. And so it's fun. You know, like I, I, I've really, I've led a couple of like staff members in churches and I've led a couple of whatever, but I've never like led a thing. And I feel like this is like a, a whole movement that I'm leading, which is a lot of fun. 
So there was that moment, you talk about it in your book, How to Human, where a couple of years ago, I think you had, if I've gotten the numbers right, 33,000-ish followers on Insta. And you said something very bold about being black, not Mexican. Yeah. And when you woke up the next morning, you were down 6,000 followers. And yeah. within 24 hours, you're down 30%. A third yeah. of your yeah. followers have bailed because they were mad at you. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about that moment? And then <laughs> I want to trace out how it built since then. But let's talk about loss because you let's, had that. Yeah. Because you said loss. something you believe in. I did. I, um, I, yeah, I made, I made a video where, you know, I, I stepped into and leaned into the black part of who I am and listen, it, I watch it now. It, it was the most vanilla, kind hearted, like, like soft video. <laughs> I've like, comparatively speaking to what I post now, like I was so like, Hey everybody, like, I love you. Can we uh, talk about something? And, um, Man, but people weren't ready for it and they weren't ready for me to speak on this justice. And here, here I was, Carrie, like I'd, I'd built that, that 30 something odd thousand Instagram followers that I built had taken like seven years yep. to, to yep. build that it taken me a long time to build. It taken a lot of events, a lot of speaking events, a lot of trust. Um, and to watch them leave like that was gutting. I, when I woke up the next morning, I was like, well, it, it was the it was the three P thing with uh, our friend yeah. Doctor Cloud, right? Personal, pervasive, yes. and permanent. Oh, mm -hmm. that's what it was, man. It was personal, pervasive, and permanent. I was like, that's it. I may as well just delete my entire Instagram account. Like, why am I even doing what I'm doing? I'm I'm going. To, I got to go find another job. I got to go. You know, that's where I went. And but the the thing was was that. I can't remember if I wrote this in the book or not, but I actually went to delete it. When I saw how many people had unfollowed me. Yes, you did talk I, about that. I went to delete the video. And I mean, isn't that what we want to do, right? We're just like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, if I can just like erase what I said that canceled me, then everything's gonna be fine. And when I went to hit delete, um, <laughs> I'll, never for, I'll never forget, man. Right when I hit delete, Instagram had another pop-up that popped up and it said, are you sure? And it was like, it was, if the Holy Spirit could ever been like an Instagram pop-up. Like, yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, I now have another option to bail. And I said, no, I'm not. And I let, I left it up there and I'm so glad I did. It was, but I mean, let's just sit in the failure for a second. Like, you know, I, I went to my wife and I said, babe, I posted this last night. I, I, I don't, maybe I think I made a mistake. And, you know, she was actually a little bit like, wow, like, I guess some things are going to have to change and shift around here. And I was like. Oh, you know, and it was, it was, a, it was a hard few days. It was a hard few days of not only did I like lose those people, but they let me know they, they, they it was like an airport and they were like, like they were like leaving the airport and letting like announcing their departure. Like they were, what, what yeah. did you say? Oh, what did I say? Uh, um, I, I said, so this was right after the Ahmaud Arbery shooting. And, um, I have, I had never at this point ever up to this point, um, talked about anything kind of race, anything, racial reconciliation, anything. I was, I was just kind of, you know, helping people along with their spiritual walk and like filming stories about my birds in my front yard. And my Instagram was just happy, kind of go lucky. And, and then boom, you know, now, I filmed a video called how my white friends can help the black community today. And, um, Ooh, Lord have mercy. I, th I may have hashtagged it black lives matter at the end. This is early 2020. And, um, and 
That's what I did. So I, I, I made a little video. I walked up to my desk. I sat down and I said, Hey, listen, like as a, as a, as your black friend, you guys are here. Cause you feel like I'm your friend. Let me, let me help you with some things. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of listened. I can't even remember what they were. Um, but when people left, man, they left and they dropped bombs on my heart. They were, they, they, they let me know. I've never been a pastor of my own church. So I don't, don't know what those emails are that you guys get when people leave your churches, but that's what I felt like. Like they were letting me know that they were leaving and why I was such a horrible human. And it hurt, man. It was gutting. That was the hardest part was reading. And I read them all, you know, maybe that wasn't a good idea, but I read them all. And people that I know, I've, I've seen commenting for five or six years. Yes. And, and, and then watching friends unfollow me like, like 25 year long friendships. And all of a sudden, oh my gosh, they're not following me on Instagram anymore. Like, you know, and you know, as, as, uh, I don't know, elementary as that may sound as far as like, they're not following me on Instagram. Like in that season, like it was a point people were making points and it was gutting, man. It was hard. Uh, and I, and I just, I was, I was lost. Like it was hard. Yeah. Well, and the, the surprise for me and, and pardon my ignorance, but you know, I've known you for, for a long time, over yeah. a decade. Yeah. And I guess it's Carlos and everything. I always thought you were Mexican. Like, yeah. and you talk about that in How to Human, where yeah. you're like, do you want to tell that story? And then we'll yeah. go back to Instagram because I, that was really fascinating for people who follow you. Yeah. And, you know, you embrace the fact that you're actually a black man more recently in your life. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll tell us, I'll tell that part of the story, but I want to tell a story with my yeah. best friend, Eric, in that I tell in the book. So, so here's the thing. 2020 comes along up until that point. Like when I was a little kid and we moved to the to the south from Southern California. See, my dad is like a black man. Okay. Now he's from Panama. So he's a Afro-Latino. You know, he's a black Mex- uh, Panamanian. Speaks Spanish. Uh, then my mom's Mexican, full-blooded Mexican. Uh, but she's actually very like European, fair-skinned Mexican. Like her- Like she's Spanish Mex- Mexican. Yeah, like Spanish. Right? So her yep. her ancestors are from like Poland and Spain and they came to Mexico. So she's Mexican, but she's European. Um, and so when I was growing up, it's, it was kind of cool. Like I got to be Mexican because I, you know, people, people didn't know. Like people were like, oh, I mean, you definitely don't look white, but what are you? And I was like, oh, I'm Mexican. And I would say that because my dad taught me when I was little, if I said I was Mexican, instead of saying I was black, I just have a lot easier life. And he was right. I mean, I was, I, I was, I was like, I, I, I was living as white as I could live uh, forever. And then Carrie, along comes really 2016, to be honest with you. And suddenly, um, <laughs> you know, I'd experienced a lot of racism. The, the black side of me had experienced a lot of racism that I never told anybody about. Um, but 2016, it seemed to kind of pick up 2018, uh, and, and then uh, into 2020, it just kept ramping up bigger and bigger and, oh my gosh. So when I, when I kind of decide, okay, I'm going all in, I'm going to lean into the black part of who I am. I'm going to take a DNA test. Like I took a DNA test and I just remember getting it back and I was like, holy crap. Like I'm a Nigerian prince. Like I actually thought I was all Mexican, (laughs) but no, like, like look at where I'm from Nigeria. This is amazing. You know? And so like, I'm, I lean in and I embrace it. And, um, and I start talking a lot more about that on, on my socials. And, uh, and I put that video up and I lose a lot of followers, but I talk about it and I'm talking about things and, and, you know, we'll talk about all that Instagram thing in a second, but fast forward to like late 2020 and one of my best friends on planet earth, um, who I realized I hadn't talked to, um, in, in a while, um, 
I, Heather said that she's invited, she invited him and his wife over for dinner. And I was like, oh, that's great. Like, you know, I can't wait to see him. Like, actually, you know, I haven't talked to him in a minute. And so I go on Instagram. I don't know why I went on Instagram, but I clicked to see when the last time he messaged me was. And then under, you can see on Instagram if someone's follows you or not. And right away I saw that he wasn't following me. And I was like, okay, wait a second. I've literally been best friends with this guy since we were 18 years old. We are 47 years old. What, what has happened? And then I looked at my text messages. We haven't texted in forever. So immediately I got that pit in my stomach and, and then I start looking at his stuff and I'm like, oh, well, he's definitely posting things that are out of alignment with what I'm posting and shoot. And so he comes in, man, and we, uh, we, we kind of pretend to talk about stupid stuff for about 10 minutes. And I finally just go, Eric, his name's in the book. So I can, I can say it. I said, um, okay, what's going on? And dude, I'll, I'll never forget. He immediately tears welled up in his eyes and he goes, I don't even know who you are anymore. I, I don't, you, you, you never talked about this stuff before. You never talked about, you never were so political. Uh, you never were so, you know, talking about race. And um, I just, I just don't, I can't stomach it anymore. So I had to stop following you. And to be, and to be honest with you, you're not even black, you're Mexican, right? So, so he yells this stuff at me. And the whole time I'm just kind of listening, nodding my head. And before I, I gave him a uh, crash course on ethnicity and race and all the things that I wanted to do, I looked at him and I said, you know, Eric, you're right. And I actually need to apologize to you because I've not let you in to a part of me that, that has been a part of me that I've never let you in on. And so you actually are right when you say you've never talked about this and you're not even black. The reason why I can say you're right is because I've never told you about the black part of who I am. And it's so funny because this, this man loves my dad with everything. He, lo he, he, my dad has poured into his life. I go, you know, my dad. And he's like, yeah, I go, you know, he's black. And he goes, this, this is where, this is where so much of the education came in for me on Instagram that year, because my best friend who, who I was in his wedding, he was in mine where our kids grew up together, looks at me. He knows my dad. He's seen my dad. He goes, your dad's not black. He's Panamanian. And when he said that, I go, oh my gosh, he doesn't understand through no fault of his own that black people didn't just get on slave ships and get dropped off in Charleston way back in the day. They actually took black people all over the world. And there's black Italians, there's black Panamanians, there's black Mexicans, there's black. And so in my head, I was like, I have to, so I very softly said, Hey, yes, he's Panamanian, but you know that like, he's still black. He's actually blacker than Obama. Like my dad is like my, but my dad is as black as black gets like a black mom and a black dad. And I could see as I was explaining about the slave ships and where they dropped people off and that his job began to drop and his, in his eyes, he was beginning to understand. And he goes, oh my gosh, I've never thought of it. Like, I, I guess I didn't realize that there's such thing as like, you know, again, this is just a very Americanized context to where I was literally teaching my best friend what it means to be black and from Africa and landing in different places. Right. And so mm. through this conversation though, I said, but I kept apologizing to him saying, Eric, I, I never, I never pulled you into this. So like, I need you to know, I'm sorry, but I also need you to know who I am. I need you to see me for who I am. Uh, and man, it was the beginning of, of a healing conversation that we had um, that 
that man has continued to heal and continued to accelerate. But I took that conversation and that made me realize how many of my other friends are probably very confused as well. And how many of my followers that left me in April of 2020 in a huff enough puff were probably who they would call me their friend, even though I've never met them, were probably feeling the same thing that Eric was feeling. And so this is why it's so important to not hide parts of our story because when we, then suddenly when we started, you know, uh, sharing these parts of our stories and we're proud of these parts of our stories, just, just prepare for people around you to be shocked and some people to not be able to even handle it. And so w- mm-hmm. when I, when, when I, when I am leaning into the black part of who I am and I'm teaching about racial reconciliation and my life as a black man in the South and all those things on Instagram, I began to teach also just on ethnicity and race and, and all these other things in a very soft, gentle way. And I started to see those people that left come back because I was starting to have the same conversation I had with my best friend, Eric, and he came back and they started to come back and it, it, it was a a really healing moment. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you for sharing that in how to human as well. I appreciate it. What kind of um, challenges have you faced growing up black slash quote Mexican in America? Maybe it's helpful because you explain it in the book, but why did your dad tell you that you're Mexican? That was a really, I will not forget that story for years to come. Yeah. Uh, We had just moved from East LA, Pico Rivera, uh, to Atlanta, Georgia. My dad got a job job at the Home Mission Board, which is now called the North American Mission Board for any yeah. Southern Baptist fans out there. Uh, and um, he gets this job there, right? And so we leave California, we move. Uh, and then I'm, I'm about to go, I can't remember if it's kindergarten. I was really little, about to go to school. And and he like kneels down in front of me. And um, he said, now, Carlitos, I need you to understand. And I need, I need you to remember something. When people ask you, because people are going to ask you, when your friends ask you, are you black? You, because listen, I look like Gary Coleman, bro. Like I, I was basically, <laughs> and Gary Coleman and I were twins. Okay, I had my like, afro, I had my part, and he goes, you, "When people ask you if you're black, you tell them that you're Mexican." And I, I didn't even think twice. I didn't even yeah. think twice about it. I'm like, "This is my daddy telling me this." Of course. Well, as a grown man now uh, that has lived in the South for a big chunk of my life, I know why he told me that. Now, mm. he he has since. We've had conversations where he's like, I, I just, I'm sorry I ever said that. I, I never would have done that. I was like, dad, you were just trying to protect me. And the reason why, of course, yeah. is because it was a lot easier for me in the 80s to grow up as a little kid um, that was Mexican in Atlanta, Georgia, than it was for me to grow up, especially in the neighborhood we moved into, an all-white neighborhood, to grow up as a little black boy. Uh, mm-hmm. And because my mom was basically white, my dad was black, I, I could lean into a certain identity. And I, and I began to do that. I mean, I remember Carrie, I actually like would, there was no Google back then, but there was a commercial on like hair straightener. And I, mm. I remember like wanting, like begging my mom, could I get that so that I didn't have curly hair? So I didn't have an Afro so I could look like Scott and Peter and my friends at school. And, um, you know, it was, it, it was rough. Um, and, and, I, I still didn't get to avoid um, the the racism that, that especially, I'm just telling you, man, at my elementary school and my high school, um, especially my elementary school, I was the only kid that looked like me um, in, in that school. And it was hard, you know, and, and none of that, none of that shifted into my adulthood. The amount of, you know, I, I now 
Uh, I've got a running total. Um, not that I want to, but I do. The amount of times I've been called the N-word in public uh, in Middle Tennessee is up to 16 times, right? Like like in, in public. And so th- this is like, people think, oh, there's not people like that. Listen, I've lived in Nashville for 10 years now, and it's been 16 times. So it's like, I don't know, one and a half times a year that I'm accosted in public. Something I'd say, you know, 30% of the times it's in a gas station. Uh, you know, it, it's just, it is what it is. And I'm living in this reality. And so to be able to finally talk about it um, in a way that wasn't me just complaining, but me looking at like, hey, listen, I need, I want you to know this is my reality. I know this isn't, well, you, you may think racism isn't a problem, you know, in America these days. Can I just tell you, it may not be a problem for you, but it is for me. And mm-hmm. if you, if you love me and you trust me, I just ask that you believe me. Um, and, and, and I can't avoid it. I can't get away from it. And so, you know, I, I lean into the, a lot of that in the book. The book isn't, uh, isn't a book on racism. It's not a book on, no. but, but it's, it is my story. So that's a piece of my story that I lean into the book and the how to human piece is asking people to step in with empathy, even if they don't believe uh, my narrative or they don't believe um, that that systemic racism is real or whatever those things are. Um, I ask you just to just to to lean into my story and to walk with me. And maybe I'm not going to change your mind about things, but you know what I will do? I will change your mind about me and and you will see me. And that's all I'm asking people to do is just to walk with each other and see each other. Uh, but it's it's um it's a real thing here in the South. It is. So one of the things that I think is really remarkable about what you do, particularly on social, which is where your dominant voice seems to be, is you say things that normally would be divisive, like yeah. losing 11,000 followers overnight, losing your best friend, Eric, who you hadn't talked to in years because you've spoken up on an issue, because you've established a point of view and you've written. And again, you know, I'm certainly hoping, I don't think my listeners have stopped listening at this point. We are trying to do the same thing here, (laughs) but there are people who hearing that story would have hit stop and unsubscribe and moved on. Right. And yet you went from 22,000 um, followers on Instagram two years ago, three years ago to, yep, two years ago. I looked the other day, 300,000, 300 and uh, it's 255, 250. Hey, yeah. that's a lot I, of people. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot of people, dude. So 10 yeah. X, 10 X. Yeah. And as you're saying, 4753 left, right, right, left. So yeah. you've got people who wouldn't normally be caught dead at the same dinner yes. party yes. going to your party. Yes. And I want to know, what you're learning about taking a definitive, sometimes controversial and divisive point of view, but building unity at the same time, because that is mm. so rare, Carlos, so rare and so needed. Yeah, it is. And and I think it's rare, Carrie, mm. because leaders are scared to even try. Oh. I, I, I just I, I just want to say that, like, like I'll, I'll have leaders come to me all the time, like, Carlos, like, I just... If I do that, people are going to leave. If I and I'm and I'm always like, yeah, yeah, like. But do you know how many people are desperate for a leader to do what I'm doing on the social space to do in mm-hmm. real life? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like, like, like it's it's who are leaving are the fringe, but the fringe 
there's so many people that aren't on the friends that are ready to come be a part of a community in real life and, and around and be around people that don't look like them, think like them, vote like them, love like them, talk like them, believe like them. The people, so many people are desperate to be around that um, and being led by somebody that still, okay, here, here's the thing. This is, this is what's, I think a lot of people maybe mis misconstrue. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not a vanilla, like, hey, let's all be friends. Uh, let's just kind of um, not talk about the hard things guy. Like, you can still, you can still have, have polarizing opinions on issues, and you can still do it in a way where people that are on the other side of an issue want to not only walk with you, but follow you, like literally mm. follow you. And I just think that leaders aren't trying because they're scared. They're scared of what they're going to lose. They've heard of someone else that posted something and then their biggest giver left. And then, you know, next thing you know, and it's just like, man, can I tell you something? I am ready for my pastor friends. And a lot of them have done it already, but I'm ready for them to stop worrying about the biggest giver leaving if you're being the hands and feet of Jesus. And he's mm. going to provide, he's going to return, you know, back to you what you've lost. And guess what? Maybe you're supposed to be a, maybe your church isn't supposed to be this middle, you know, I'm not going to talk, talk about touchy things because I don't want to, you know, maybe you're not even supposed to uh, have as many people as you have there because you're just tiptoeing around some truths that maybe are going to offend people. Um, now, listen, as I say that, um, I, I, I also know that, that my, my, uh, career is, um, I don't have people coming every week and like donating to me to like continue to build my, or, or to maintain my ministry per se. Um, I sign book deals. I, now of course, you know, there's, there's pieces of that. I have courses and stuff, but it's not the same as like pastoring a church. If there's pastors listening to this and I know, I know like I can say that in a, in a brazen way. And I know that there's intricacies and nuances in it. Um, I was actually on, uh, it's called the pastor's podcast with, um, uh, banning Leapster, the pastor of Jesus culture. Um, okay. and, I'll, and there's a podcast episode that it was a whole episode. If you, if they want to listen to that, that I was on about hot topics and being a pastor and like how oh, to we'll navigate to those it. things. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Link to it. Absolutely. But, um, you know, I just think, I, I think that a lot of leaders are scared to even try and I think they'd be surprised. I think they'd be surprised if they, if they begin to, um, know that they're going to screw up and know that people actually, even in this cancel hungry world, people actually have more grace than you ever thought they would. And you're going to screw up. You're going to slip up, man. I have said some things that I've, I have offended some of my white friends in ways that I've said, said things that I would never say now because I've learned, mm -hmm. right. Um, I've had bias in my heart that towards, towards white 60 year old Southerners, uh, Southern men in the South, because all the people that call me the N word at gas stations or wherever, they've all looked the same. And so every time I see a white old Southern guy, I'm like, Hey, that dude's racist. Like, you know? And so like, mm. I've had bias in my heart. Right. And so like, I've had to apologize so many times, but we just, Oh my gosh. Like we, we just are, I feel like we're on the precipice of so much healing. If more people would do, mm. I don't want to say what I'm doing, but if, but yes, if more people would do what I'm doing and invite and listen, like listen to those that have a point of view different than you simply to learn. 
like not even to change their mind, but just to learn, right? And so like the amount of times that I do that on my podcast or on my platform and people are like, Carlos, I can't believe you had that person on your podcast. Like that person, you know, uh, they, they're, they're dehumanizing and they believe this. And I was like, yeah, they may be that, but like I, there's actually, there's truth in in something that they said. And I wanted to make sure I could pull from that. So I think as, as long as we're walking that example, uh, people are going to feel safe if they see us walking with, walking with people, walking with people on both sides of the aisle, on both sides of opinions on things. Um, nobody, nobody has come closer to healing through fingers being pointed at them as opposed to hands being open to them. Oh, can you give us a summary, the quick version we will link to the Jesus Culture podcast of how to handle hot takes? Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, um, th- a lot of it was because there was three pastors talking to me about, man, Carlos, like people are going to leave. People are going to, um, uh, you know, my, I, I have a very conservative a lot of them are pastor, very conservative, you know, churches. And, uh, you know, th- there's, there is issues um, that, that are just biblical. I, if, if you're, you know, they're just going to be like, if you believe, um, if you're a pastor and you're like, I believe that the Bible is clear on marriage. I believe that the Bible is clear on, you know, homosexuality or on mm-hmm. gender or whatever those things are. Um, you can have, this is what I'm, I say all the time. You can have, you can, you can believe that biblical um, truth. You can believe that. Mm-hmm. But are you in relationship with anybody? And I say this from the bottom of my heart because I do it. Are you in relationship, not to change your mind, but to make sure that you are loving the people that may be wounded by, um, honestly, people are wounded by the Bible all the time. The Bible is not like a, a dull object. It's sharp, right? And so are you walking on purpose with people that may not agree with you? Like having lunches, having dinners, being in relationship with them. I, I said it on a on an Instagram post that, man, I got... I got, it was, it was another problem. I probably had 2000 people and follow me, uh, a couple weeks ago. I, I put up a rainbow flag on my Instagram and I said, dear LGBTQ Insta familia. And I basically wrote them a love letter saying, I love you. And I'm glad you're here. And, um, you know what I didn't do in that letter? I didn't give them because people want me to say this publicly all the time. And I just won't, uh, people, people, wanted me to say if I'm affirming or I'm not affirming, if mm-hmm. I'm, you know, if I'm this or if I'm that. And I'm like, you know, my my LGBTQ friends, they all, my friends are the ones that I talk to my DMs. They all know that answer. And they'll be the ones that know the answer because they're the ones that need to know that answer. Everyone else that asks me that question, you're just trying to get a hot take out of me so that you can make a decision mm-hmm. whether, wh- whether to follow me or to not follow me. And so what I'm going to do in public is love them and be with them. And guess what? I've actually learned some things that have made me go, huh, I- I've never thought about it that way. Now, that may mm-hmm. sound scary to some people, but listen— we are not God, like, like, and again, now, now, now there may be more people like, like unsubscribing <laughs> or whatever, but I'm not saying we're not God as far as theology. I'm just saying that we, I, until the day I go see him face to face, I'm going to continue to learn, continue to study the scripture, continue to have it move me, continue to, um, learn new things about people, even if I don't agree with how those people are living. And even if those people are living in a quote unquote sinful way, you can still learn from those people. I wish I could tell you, I'm going to have to come back in another podcast and tell you this experiment that I did in August 
of this last year, I got off of line for nine weeks and I, and I took off, but I went, and I will tell you this, I went and dove headfirst and lived inside of a community of people that vehemently disagree with me on a lot of issues. And I, and I surrounded myself and I soaked myself and I basically wanted to take my little tagline, don't stand on issues, but walk with people. And I wanted to do an experiment on it. And so I did, I dove headfirst into it. And can I tell you, I left believing the same things I believed. My my um, forward facing uh, values were still intact, mm-hmm. but I learned a lot about how to love a group that maybe I wasn't loving, and that that's all I'm saying. That's all, and I said it with a lot of words, but I don't know if that made sense enough for you. But that, that's really what I'm saying there. It makes a lot of sense to me, and it really helps. We we have covered a lot. <laughs> yeah. What is have. a question you wish somebody would ask you that nobody seems to ask you these days? Huh. Um, people ask me a lot of questions, Gary. Um, um, I mean, I, I always like it when people ask me like how, I know Carlos that you give us your opinion on a lot of like hot takes and a lot of like, like controversies, but like, how, how are you and the Lord, like, 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 how are, how are you and the Lord doing? Like, I don't, no one really ever asks me that. Not even like my close friends, but talk about like a relationship that people should be checking up on. Like that, that is one where it's just like, because sometimes people could ask me that question and I could be like, I'm almost an atheist, you know, but, but nobody would ever know unless they asked me the question. Right. And it's just like, well, well how is it going? Oh, I mean, thanks for asking. With you, you and know? the Lord. Yeah, it is. Uh, I'm in a wrestling match with, um, with not my Christianity, um, not with the local church, not with my belief in Jesus as the son of God, but my understanding of why God would allow my dad. I'm, I'm wrestling a lot. Um, knowing what a great, uh, man of God that my dad is, how he sacrificed his, his life, um, for the gospel and um, just did so much good and why my dad would lose any memory and all memory of who I am. Um, And so I'm wrestling with that, you know, and it's, uh, it's hard. Um, uh, And I'm not, I'm not running away from God, but I'm, I'm cussing him out sometimes. uh, And I feel like he's, uh, uh, he's okay with that. Um, and and he still holds me when I'm done with my tantrum, but that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm I'm frustrated, um, and and hurting in that. Is that your so. dad behind you? A picture of your dad over the typewriter? Yeah. yeah, this is. Uh, somebody, I recognize him. Yeah, <laughs> somebody Bring it painted, forward. painted a picture um, oh. of of my dad. It's just an insta familia member painted me a picture of my dad, and he just literally is the greatest man um, I've ever known. And you know, Can you it's, tell me about your dad. Yeah, man. He was born in Colón, Panama, uh, 1942, uh, immigrated to the, to the United States in 1960 with $20 cash and a shoeshine kid. I tell this story a lot. And he was a black man, young black man that came to America pre, uh, civil rights, um, and shine shoes, um, for a couple years and worked his way through community college and, um, uh, was, it was just sharing the gospel wherever he could to the people he was shining shoes. And, uh, just, you know, there was, there wasn't a day that we'd, 
not go to a Waffle House that by the end of that, there wasn't some Waffle House waitress on her knees praying uh, right next to us. Like the man was, uh, is just an evangelist. And uh, my, my, I just remember being nine years old and being like, how does he do that? You know? <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, man, he's just, he's, he, he loved me and my brother, loved my mom, you know, he's still there. Um, but he's, man, he is confused and he's scared and I don't like to see my dad like that. Um, but man, he's just an incredible, incredible guy. Yeah. So thanks for asking. I am so sorry, sorry. for crying. <laughs> no, don't apologize. It is very, very real. And I think yeah. we all know somebody yeah. uh, going through that and it's hard, you know, my question yeah. for God would be explain mental health. Yeah. Like I get a lot of stuff, but yeah. like, that I don't get. Carlos, I yeah. really appreciate that. And I'm yeah. I'm so sorry for what you're going through. Thank you, friend. I I, yeah. I feel safe enough to talk to you about it. So thank and your listeners. So Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Well, Carlos, anything else you want to share? And I do want to hear about uh how to human and the tour and anything else you want to direct yeah. our listeners' attention to. You know, I, I would say I would say this that um, this book, uh, the, the, the three, um, the, the three steps, listen, if you, you know, if you're not going to read the book, this is how you do it. You be human, see humans, free humans. I've kind of, you know, I'm a child of the eighties. So I've, I've Rick Warrenized everything that I do. So uh, I've make things rhyme <laughs> three, rhymes. three simple That's steps, really right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, be human, be who God created you to be, see humans. And th this is the hard part, right? This is, it's like, well, okay. I, I don't, I mean, I really don't want to, face, face these people that I don't agree with on things, see them. Cause that's all they're shouting for is to be seen. And then, and then free them in whatever way you have capacity to do. And, and it's, it's, you know, I, what I've learned as people have read the book, you know, cause my, my book launch team has all read the book. It's like that, that, that can sound like a cookie cutter uh, thing. Like, yeah, just see people and just free people. Uh, but it is hard to do. It, it is, it is, it, it is hard to do. And so I know that this book is, is going to be work. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be work for some people to be like, man, he's asking me to do some things to go talk to some people I don't want to talk to. Uh, but again, I, I, I asked just like, you know, Reggie and Orange their last year, uh, the theme was be human. And they talk about Jesus, uh, leading through proximity. And I just, I, I just would love for people to realize that the only way we can have impact is when we are up close, when we're up close to those that maybe we can't stand. Maybe, maybe they, uh, maybe they, they're dehumanizing you. Maybe they're voting for people that you think are just atrocious. Those are the exact people that we're called to get close to. And that's just what I hope people get out of it is, is just, just some other tools that they can use um, to maybe heal some relationships that may have been, may have been uh, diminished or destroyed over the last few years over politics or health issues and uh, whatever. I don't want to say the word because I don't want the, it to get censored, you know, but, um, but if your relationship didn't start with those things, why in the world would you let it end with those things? And so, wow. you know, um, that that's my that's kind of my hope for everyone that reads the book. How do and human... the stories are incredible? Like it yeah. is a book just chock full of stories, and they're really moving stories and really powerful stories. So mm -hmm. I echo whoever said you're a great storyteller. Oh, thanks, man. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah, that's that. You know, I, obviously. Great. 
you know, you can, you can, I'd love for them to join the Insta Familia. We're always finding yeah. people to help. Um, come on over. If you got five bucks in your Venmo account, I'll, I'll be asking for that within 30 days of you joining in the family. So and it's at lost wit. Still? Yep, that's it. That's right. still me. And where can they get tour information? Yes. So if you go to hereforyoutour.com, uh, I'm kind of bringing this message kind of pseudo tied in with the message that uh, God is putting on Annie F. Down's heart. Uh, and we're just going to kind of be on stage the whole night together. Uh, it's going to be a, an amazing night. We're going to be having a lot of fun, special guests. But if you go to hereforyoutour.com, it's all in June. And um, yeah, all the ticketing info is there. Awesome. Carlos, until next time. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Let's do it. Well, that got uh, wonderfully emotional, didn't it? At the end, uh, I just love Carlos's heart and I'm amazed at what he's doing. If you want more, we talked about a lot of stuff. We got show notes and transcripts for you. Go to kerryneuhoff.com slash episode 551. You'll find it there. And of course, we shared this on YouTube as well. So if you haven't checked out our YouTube channel, check it out over at kerryneuhoff.com. If you prefer watching, well, uh, we do about 99% of these on video these days and uh, really have a growing presence over there. Want to thank our partners, He Gets Us and Serve HQ for this episode. During the big game, almost 100 million people saw the message from He Gets Us, a couple of them designed to inspire people to think about Jesus. If you want to foster conversations in your church or company or among your friends, go to hegetsuspartners.com slash carry to learn more and you can claim your free resources. And by Serve HQ, head on over to Serve HQ to learn how you can solve the volunteer crisis at your church and start training your volunteers today. Up next, we got Mark Schultz. He is the co-author of a brand new book that looks at results from the longest longitudinal study in the world, the study of adult development at Harvard Medical School. And we talk about what makes people happy. I love this conversation. Here's an excerpt. I think what's become clearer in the last 20, 30 years that really surprised many of us was that relationships are also critical for our physical well-being, that they not only help us be happier in life, but they actually get under our skin affect our bodies in ways that help us age better um, and live longer. Um, and that's a kind of, I think if we, we, we went back about three decades ago, that would have been a surprising idea. And we found that in our research and we were surprised at first. We looked around to see whether other studies were finding it. And what you can see over the last 30 years or so is a whole bunch of research that settles on this idea that relationships are critical for our physical thriving as well. So that's next time on the podcast. Subscribers, you know it's going to come automatically. If you are new, thanks for leaving a rating and review, sharing it with your friends, and please subscribe as well because that way you'll never miss an episode. You will not miss people like Craig Grishel, John Mark Comer, John Lee Dumas, Gretchen Rubin. Who else have we got? Ben Higgins from The Bachelor. Yeah, we're doing that. And Erwin uh, McManus. Uh, who else have we added recently? Caitlin Beatty, Mark Batterson, and a lot more. And I've got something for you because you listened to the end. Have you subscribed to my brand new email newsletter? It's called On The Rise, and I deliver it every Friday. And what I do is I scour the internet for the most fascinating, curious content about faith, culture, the future church, and other topics I just find fascinating. I've talked about things like chat GPT, acing the bar and med school exams, uh, why housing is so expensive, why spirituality is on the rise. It's featured Tim Keller, Deconstructing Deconstruction. 
and why boomers are rethinking the church a whole lot more. Basically, it's just really interesting things and they will do, you know, the newsletter does everything from give you research for what you're writing or working on, whether that's a sermon or a talk that you're giving or just curious weekend reading. So if you'd like to start receiving On The Rise, go to ontherisenewsletter.com to sign up. This content is exclusive to newsletter subscribers. You're not going to find it anywhere else, not on my blog, anywhere else. And I got some giveaways and fun perks throughout the year too. So check it out. Go to ontherisenewsletter.com. Subscribe there. Love making deeper connections with you. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I hope our time together today has helped you identify and break your next growth barrier.